said, Mama, I got bad news. Bad moods every day. Brand new tattoos on my face. I don't wear a head full of. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Ashes to Awesome podcast, Rising in Recovery. My name is Chuck LaFlange, and thank you for joining me while we take a mostly serious look at the realities of addiction and rising in recovery. This episode brought to you by the Nate D Foundation, where their goal is to raise funds to allow individuals to attend trauma therapy and treatment. Learn more at nate-d.ca. Another episode of the Weekend Ramblings. Uh, today I have my co-host, Carl the Atheist. How you doing today, Carl? Doing great, Chuck. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Lisa has come back for another episode. This is her third and, well, probably counting. Um, welcome back, Lisa. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Thanks for having me again. Excellent. And for our final guest, we have Jason, who was in episode edit number in here. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, Jason gave us a, a really fantastic story, actually. It kind of got cut off earlier. There was more to talk about. We haven't gotten around to that yet, so I thought, you know what? Jason's a hell of a guy. He's going to be a part of the show, I think, by by all accounts. And maybe we'll just start kind of introducing to him now and, and uh, get his thoughts on some things and let his story kind of trickle down to us over time because I like the idea of him coming back time over time again. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, Chuck. Thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. So this week, um, uh, we've only got four episodes to go over this week because there wasn't a Friday. Um as we've seen now two weeks in a row, when my my life outside of the podcast doesn't go right, things inside the podcast don't go right, right? Because it's, it's a busy schedule, and if there's a hiccup, fuck, right? So I, I'm a little frustrated with myself, but I was telling myself this morning because the thing about the weekend rabble is I'm accountable, right? I have to sit here and talk about why I didn't do a fucking episode at the end of the week. Two is something, three is a pattern, and we can't let three happen. So I, I got to really get back on track. And I just got to do better and, and make sure that, you know, I'm taking care of myself and my life so that so that I have to do something for it. So, um, that's my little, whatever, confession for the week, I guess, right? Chris's confessions or something. Chuck's confessions, right? <laughs> Carl. All right. Um, you guys, anybody got anything they want to say before we get into uh, into the looking at the episodes? Uh, I'll give I'll give a quick shout out to uh, Ryan. Happy, I guess, belated birthday. Yeah, no, it's, or, or was yeah. It at the, it's the time of the recording, it is his birthday. Yes, it is. It's his birthday, so happy birthday to Ryan. Um, yeah, yeah. If he said he's forty-five, just a pup. There's another thing that happens today too. Um, Joe, uh, Joe is putting his son to rest today. Finally, all right. So I sent him a message on behalf of all of us this morning. Pass on some some thoughts. Um, I know it's not the, the celebration that the that the captain's birthday is, but you know, I think it's, it's definitely we'd be remiss if we didn't say it. And at least, you know, that was happening today after Joe gave us so much for this week. Mm-hmm. Um, getting right into it, Joe's Memorial episode. Carl, why don't you take us away on that one? Um, it was it was definitely heartbreaking. Um. The, the music in the background was super powerful, especially for me being indigenous. Um, yeah, that song, eh? It's just so beautiful. Oh there, sorry, sorry. there were definitely uh, points in there where I was, I was, I was getting choked up. Um, you know, especially I, I think uh, 
because it was inadvertent. It wasn't a, a drug that he used. It was a, as you so rightly stated, it was a poisoning. It it wasn't a an overdose. Um, you know, I wow. You know, it just who does that? Who does that? What kind of person is is selling something that? that isn't what it is. And I think you guys made a great point on Wednesday too, about how it's not safe to experiment anymore. Um, this is not, no thanks. It right. isn't. I, I, no I thanks. remember once, uh, I'm not sure if you were there or not. It was at the duplex. Um, and I, I believe it was somebody who hasn't been mentioned on the show before. Um, I'll just call him CB for now. Um, but he, he brought over some pills and they had a Liberty head on them and we weren't sure if they were ecstasy or not. And I said, well, fuck, I'll take one, you know, like, you know, that, that's, that's like what that 90, 1998, uh, you know, about what three years into what started as the opioid epidemic, uh, with the, with the release of Oxycontin. Um, but it, it never even passed my mind that I could take this pill and die. It was just, it, is it ecstasy or is it a Tylenol that's been repressed? I mean, that that's kind of the, the things that we went through back in the 90s, right? But now it's, is it ecstasy or is it instant death? And I, I think it's uh, uh, something that uh, Joe had mentioned was his, his campaign to just say no thanks. And I, I think the time is right right now with... Uh, you know, graduation and prom and, and everything coming up that, uh, you know, now's the time to, to get it into people's minds that it's okay to say no thanks. I mean, you, you and Scott had a tips, you know, think things to say to, to people so they don't, you know, peer pressure you into the drugs. But, uh, you know, no thanks is definitely one of them, right? Like just no thanks. I mean, also I'm allergic or, you know, I got important stuff to do in the morning or what, whatever it is. Uh, just don't, don't, don't take the chance anymore. Yeah. That's, that is, I think the biggest takeaway by far. Entire situation. Um, uh, Lisa, what are you, what are your thoughts on Monday? Um, so it's very similar to Carl. Um, I think the, it, for me, it was the music. It was Joe's voice. It was the way Joe speaks. Um, there was just like a, yeah, like there was a mood to that whole episode and it was heavy and it was sad and it was heartbreaking. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, terrifying that again, this isn't a guy who was, you know, using opiates or fentanyl regularly, just thought he was out for a night, having a good time with some buddies. Um, and I think something that really stood out for me, and I think it was Joe's intention, and I think he he absolutely pulled it off is just for the world to you know to feel like they have an idea of who Harlan was um yeah because I just like you know almost sort of mesmerized by him like he just sounded like this you know this happy incredible generous guy and then when you particularly hear more about Joe's story it gives you this sense of how much you know um Harlan went through in his life and yet when he talks about Harlan, you don't pick up that there was like bitterness or there was resentment or there was anger. He just sounds like despite the hardships he had in his own life, growing up with two parents who, you know, were addicted to substances, you know, they talk about CFS involvement in Harlan's life. 
um, he just sounds like he was endlessly generous and loving. And, you know, so it's, you know, so sad that, you know, he's, he's gone. Um, and I really love to like listening to the song. Um, I mean, obviously it's in the background, but then at the end, um, some of the last lyrics I'd actually written down, it said, when the sun comes up in the morning sky, there I will be soaring with the eagles so high, feeling free. Remember me. Wasn't it just like just, that song? I know it's like now I'm welling up right when I, when he told me about it, I never heard of it and I'm playing it all of a sudden and I'm like, oh my God. Right. You know, it's just, this is amazing. You know, yeah, something else. Yeah. Um, Jason, uh, I pulled the plug on. I like, like what Carl was saying too. And it was like, I don't know for myself is like how many times, like I was just like, can, and just reckless out there. And I would, you know, like trust the drug dealer, what he was, you know, trust a drug dealer right what he was giving me was what he said to have some integrity but it's just it's just we're just it's just we're in different times and and it's not again it's in everything i know there was like a story um this is a while back there was like a couple uh th- think 13 14 year old kids like they were smoking weed up and this is in penticton or something that had fentanyl in it you know and it's like i don't know for for someone like me like i i knew i was using fentanyl and i knew might kill me but i did anyway but i think there is um you know there are people out there that just won't do it that or that like that just won't take use drugs recklessly uh, recklessly you know so um Recre- again i don't know recreationally. what to, I don't know, uh, recreationally i don't know i don't and i don't know what like the answer is i don't know if it's like raising like awareness and talking about the potential um you know like the dangers to like doing this stuff but it's just like this is just such a it's so common this story and it's like, and it doesn't have to be, I think is, is the sad part. Like it, you know, um, I don't know how many friends I've lost, um, to overdose, you know, and those numbers are like, they're not, they're just increasing. Like you guys know, don't, you know, you guys know about all the statistics and stuff like that. So, um, sad. It's, it's, it's super sad. I do like, I, I do like Chuck, what we talked about too. Like, again, um, the sto- we hear a lot of the stories of the addicts or sorry, the, the, what is it? Bathgate says the human, it's not an addict, an addict using a human suffering. I like that, you know? So anyways, um, but the, this, I, I, I do like that the stories are getting out there and, you know, Chuck, you and I talked about, you know, but I'm going to have that conversation with my dad and maybe get him on. Cause like, I don't think that story gets told enough. Um, you know? Like with just what happens, like with, with the families, because they're watching all this stuff happen, and just like what you guys have talked about, they don't get, they don't get a break. Like we get a break, you know. I, I, I had a break. I had relief, and they have to sit back and and watch it happen. They can't do anything about it, which is, you know, and but I, again, like I love what you guys are doing. I think it's amazing, you know, and you're getting that message out there, and you're, and yeah, it's, it's, um, I think it needs to be told more. Yeah, I just something Jason just said, and I feel like it's like, it's like a burning question in my head is, you know, how do you try to reduce the number of these stories where, you know, people go out, they're looking to have just a fun night, and they trust dealers, or they take things, they don't know what they're taking, or whatever it is. And I feel like it's such a challenge, because, and we've talked about this, I think a little bit before, but kids just feel like they're invincible, right? Oh, yeah, that stuff happens, but it's not going to happen to me. Um, <laughs> right? No, I, I was going to live forever, right? So, uh, you know, and so I, I think it's it's like a, a, a 
conversation or a question that's probably been going on for a long time. I don't know if anybody knows the answer. I think obviously humanizing the stories, you know, like having people like Joe go into a school, showing photos of who Harlan was and the fact that one party night and he's now gone. My hope is that there are people out there doing that and it, and that the more that we make it specific and tell real stories, the more it impacts kids. Um, but I feel like it's so hard because there's just this, whether it's naive, um, ignorant, just youth, I don't know, um, but it's really, really difficult. Like, how do you drive it home that you can be Harlan? Like, right. any of yeah. us can be Harlan. And it's, and it's, it's still hard. a relatively new thing. I think once people start seeing their friends and, you know, their friends of friends actually dying, I, I, unfortunately, I think that's what it takes, right? And, until it hits close to home, it doesn't hit. You know, and that's just, that's just our reality, right? There's one part of all of that where I really wonder, and of course, having been immersed in the, the drug economy for so long, Right. And, and um, Carl and Jason, you can probably both kind of relate to that, at least it, or, or more. At what level did they know? Right. Did the guy that sold that MDMA to those four, did he know? I doubt it. I wondered that, too. I doubt it. Right. Because the guy pressing the pills is the guy that knows. And he's typically not the guy sandal him in the bar. Right. So it's, 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 there's, a, there's a pretty big disconnect. There could be four or five levels in between the press and the retail. Right. So, yeah, like it's so easy to get mad at that guy, but is that guy just supplying his habit? Is he just, it, you know, I've said this in episodes before, most drug dealers are just figuring out their habit, right? They're, that's all they're doing. You know, there's some, you know, hyper successful ones, of course, right? But most, most of us, and, and I say us because it was me for a very long time, just doing what we got to do to get high, right? right? And we're certainly not trying to kill anybody, you know, and maybe we're lacking awareness in our state. But certainly there's no intent, I think, on the vast majority of those cases, right? Um, for, for somebody to know that. You know, so I would really like to know at what level that's happening. Because it, you're not going to change much by blaming the street level dealer, right? You know, and, and, uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. That's, there's, that's just introduces more questions to the whole goddamn math. And, uh, the, the other, the thing I wanted to also mention, um, is uh, because this was uh, indigenous death. I wanted to uh, to look into the the rates, um, and up until actually COVID hit, this opioid epidemic has actually been affecting Caucasian more than any other demographic in North America. Um, up until like COVID. like. So tw- more increased 20, or more overall? Twenty-six right? people out of a hundred thousand whites were were dying of opioid overdose. And uh the black community and the indigenous community were actually in the low twenties per hundred thousand. And until COVID hit, um, which is when everybody got stuck at home and everybody was, you know, you know, you were there. Um the the deaths in the black community actually rose to 27 out of 100,000, while the white community stayed at 26. But in the indigenous community, it jumped to 28 people out of every 100,000 indigenous people. And this is for uh, Canada, correct? This is for North America. This for is North America, okay. Mexico yep. and all, all the 
smaller countries down in near Central America. Um, but it, it, it's, it's just now in the last three years become more prevalent in the minority communities. And I, I think unfortunately um, for what we're trying to do in spreading the message is that it's because now it's going to affect minorities more or that it is affecting minorities more. I think there's going to be more, people that aren't minorities or in an oppressed group thinking this isn't going to affect them. And it is, it still is, um, you know, ne next year it could be 29 out of a hundred thousand for whites and 22 again for the black and indigenous communities. You never know. When um, were the driving forces there? Poverty. Yeah. But it's just, well, that's typically the driving force for any of the, the negative consequences of, of the, drugs and drug economy and all that but why all of a sudden those white numbers are jumping the caucasian numbers are jumping? uh um, no i'm saying i'm saying they could but the uh they that's the thing is is the caucasian numbers didn't reduce it just increased in minority uh communities so so we're not it's not like white deaths are dropping off so we have nothing to worry about because we're white it's this is happening in your community still just as bad just now we're seeing increases in other communities that are starting to perpetuate more of a problem and i i think instead of um like i i specifically looked for race data right but i mean if we look at the overall numbers they say since the opioid epidemic started in, I believe they said it was 1995 is when Oxycontin first hit the market and they didn't, you know, they didn't put the warnings out enough that how, uh, you know, how, how uh, addicting it is. Um, but since 1995, 600,000 people in North America have died and they estimate by the end of this decade, there'll be another, another, not including the 600, there'll be another 1.2 to 1.6 million people that die of over, overdose. So rounded at the 2 million, right? Jesus, that's a big number. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. I, 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 I gotta give you a shout out there, Carl. I appreciate that you're doing that and you're looking at those stats and bringing them into the show. Um, yeah, you're gonna dethrone me one of these days. I'm not, I'm not gonna <laughs> Keep trying. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's move on to uh, Tuesday, and of course, more Joe. So, Joe, what a guy! What a guy! When I when I said, "Hey, how do you feel about coming back coming back on and, and doing a, a recording with me for?" And at this point, Monday's playing, and I'm asking him to do it for Monday night so that we can I can release this for Tuesday. And I felt kind of like an asshole asking him. At the same time, though, he had, he had expressed. His gratitude and that he was he needed some sort of distraction and you know a reminder about all the things and you know his recovery right so so at, at, of course at this point the listeners haven't heard I have his whole story was just nuts right and as it so often is but the fact that he came back on the very next day and and gave us his time and his story and and shared with us a story of love just love right so, you know his kids bringing him back into the fold and, and getting him through all the hard stuff I. I was just amazed at him, absolutely amazed at him. Right? And, uh, we were so fortunate for, to to be able to get him to come on the show at all. You know, considering what he's going through this week, I mean, he's, he's putting his child to, to, to rest today, 
you know, and, and, and a week ago yesterday, they put the pot, you know, and in, in between that time, he's given us time, and that's that's pretty amazing. You know, and, and, and Joe's, thank you to Joe for that. Um, that that's my thoughts on the episode, Lisa. What uh, what did you pull from today? Um, <clears throat> so very similar, right? I mean, he's just an incredible man. Um, I was thinking he needs to write a book or two, um, listening to his story, right? I mean, there's so much in his story. He doesn't get into in the podcast about, you know, his his trauma, but he alludes to the fact that there was also trauma that he had experienced as a child. And then just, I mean, yeah, the story, I think he said he was 15 years old when he left home um, and then taking us through right up until he's in his late 50s now, I think, right? Um, so yeah, just sounds like a really, um, and like a, a multi-layered human being, right? Like all oh, of his talents and right? all of his skills. And I, I, um, I could sat there and talk to him for another five hours and it just might pick up off the guy. Right? He's, he's yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, a few things though that stood out for me. Um, one, you know, he talked about at one point, I think he, he was actually, I think he said he was studying university. Um, he was married, he had a child, a child on the way, um, and was, you know, not, not doing too, too bad with things. And then he got caught with drugs and, and the, the judge sent him back to prison for another 12 months. Right. Wasn't that, like, wasn't that crazy. And it was like, it was like, what was it? LSD or something? Or mushrooms? Was mushrooms. it mushrooms? Yeah. It was mushrooms. Yeah, I think it was. That's not yeah. even a drug. Right. Like that's, that's like, even now in recovery, I don't think that's a drug. For right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the fact too, that, right. He talked about just before that, how, you know, there's no sobriety in jail. Um, you know, he was using the whole time he was there. And so, you know, I, I just thought, especially because recent and recent episodes, there's been talk about like decriminalizing drugs. Like I think with Ryan recently and stuff, and that just, you know, that just speaks to, I think, the stigma and how ass backwards the system is, right? That's that's not what he needed at all. Um, and they didn't offer him what he needed, but they were happy to just toss him back in jail. Right. Um, and then I, I think we're probably better than that now, I, I, you know, 25 or some odd years, you know, after since then. I think as a whole, we're doing a little better than that. We're not doing great, but I think we're doing a little better than that. Anyway, right? um, yeah. So there's a part of Joe's story, Jason. Um, that really it was, it was your interview that Flora and I first really zoned in on it. And it seems to be a, a, a recurring theme is when kids are realized that they're, they're not with their birth parents. So in Joe's case, his sister was his mom and he didn't know that until he was like 14, I think it was. And that's, that was a game change for him. And that immediately brought me back to your episode, but also to, to some in-betweens them there now too. So it, that seems to be, that reoccurring theme in the trauma side of thing. I, I don't know. Lisa, you could probably speak to the, the right terminology of that. Right? But, um, it, it definitely is. A, it's a reoccurring theme. So, yeah. Um, what would the term be, Lisa? And we'll, we'll jump back over to you here. Just want to, um, I, um, I mean, like, are you talking about like the attachment trauma? Is that well, what you're thinking about? Yeah, that they find out they're adopted, or they find out they're not with their birth yeah. parents. And, and in Jason's case, yeah. that was that's what happened as well, right? Um, yeah, and it yeah. was kind of that was a big deal for you, right, Jason? Like, yeah, you know? yeah, you bet. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a driving force behind some of that maladaptive shit that that followed it, right? Well, I'm I, just looking for the right term. That's all. And I feel like I mean I don't know if I have a specific term, but the other thing that I would add to that that I think they they layer together um, really interestingly to me is 
And Joe talks about this. We've heard this on a number of the other podcasts, but people who, you know, who seem to develop severe addictions will often talk about how they always felt like the black sheep. They never felt good enough. They never felt comfortable. They never felt right. And I think if you have that at baseline, right? And I think when you've got those feelings at baseline, and then you superimpose this trauma of finding out that you're adopted, or, you know, whatever, I think it just reinforces that I'm different, I'm wrong, I'm not okay, I'm not wanted, I'm not loved, I'm not lovable. That's very well said, Lisa. Um, Thank you. That, that, that helps to yeah. kind of put all those thoughts that I was having, you know, as I like to have my thoughts, <laughs> right? in not an organized way. Thank you. That, that helps. Uh, Jason, do you want to speak to that for a minute? Yeah, I know. Well, I think Lisa hit it like bang on. And and for me, before I even found out I was adopted when I was 14, those feelings of, of like just what Lisa was saying and so many of us, it's usually a reoccurring thing. It was just I was just so uncomfortable in my own skin. And I even in my own home, I felt not a part of. I felt different. I felt less than um, just in unexplainable discomfort, you know, and. And so I, I, I had that and, 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 you know, drugs and alcohol, they gave me like relief from that. And when I, again, like when I found out I was adopted, that just, that, that reinforced that all those feelings were true, you know, and it, and it, and it made it so much worse for me. Like I, I, you know, and definitely there was a huge disconnect there. And, and, but I also know that like, I know tons of people that aren't addicts or alcoholics that don't turn to substances and and they've experienced, you know, trauma. I think with, with addicts like myself, I think there's like definitely a direct correlation between, you know, childhood trauma and, and substance use. Um, I know I just, yeah. So no, that was, yeah, I don't know. I think all, all of us, you know, use, use drugs and alcohol for, for a reason for me, it was, I, I just wasn't okay with me, you know? And, and, and the thing is, is like for so many years, I thought that my solution, I thought my problem was drugs. So if I just separate myself from whatever the substance is for long enough, I'll be okay. But I found out once I separate myself from a substance, um, then I, I'm not okay with me. I'm still the same person just without my, my solution, you know? and that's where recovery comes in and and whatever that looks like for the individual. For me, it was like the 12 steps and trauma therapy and I still do those things. And, you know, I, um, yeah. So I I didn't even intend to do this, but what a great segue into the Wednesday episode. Um, who of course you've been introduced to the show through, through Ryan Basket, the captain on, on Kaleidoscope Wednesdays. As uh, as you were or are patiently whatever some dicey ground how we how we say that on the show but um let's go into Lisa let's start with you on Wednesday this time because I feel like if I say <laughs> like last week you know if we just start with you we'll cover so much on Wednesday um, <laughs> yeah I get so excited about I know you do I know you do so yeah let's just make that the norm from now on you start on Wednesdays okay. And I get to meet him. I'm going to meet him in like oh. a week and a half. Oh, and, um, that's exciting. I'm so yeah. excited. I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So, I always like take notes, right? I do a lot of pausing and rewinding on Ryan's yeah. episodes. Um, <laughs> we probably yeah, get so I mean, five downloads out of her listening to him, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I'll start it like I, I always take my notes in, in this the order that he talks about them. So I'll go through them and we can just like step off and talk about it or I or I can just keep going. So cut me off. Um, but yeah, the first part right? he talked about like boundaries versus walls. And I thought it was really interesting. I've never thought about that. And, you know, one of the things particularly I work at a like a day hospital program. So it's like a four week intensive therapy, Monday to Friday, nine to nine to three kind of a th- uh, program. Um, and so we, you know, we're always talking about assertiveness and boundaries and, and no one's ever asked that question, like what's a boundary versus a wall. Um, and so it was, I just thought it was really interesting. And I felt like I loved his description that, um, boundaries take into account the relationship and walls do not. Um, cause I can see people mixing those things up and, and struggling to decipher, am I setting a boundary or am I putting up a wall? And I think just being able to, yeah, I think I, I'll use this. It's like to ask myself and I'm trying to set a boundary. Am I being respectful of the other person? Am I being respectful of the relationship between me and the other person? And if you are, then you're probably doing a good job of setting a boundary. And if you're not, then maybe you're putting up a wall, right? Yeah. Um, the next one I think he had talked about was... Um, how to organize your thoughts and feelings in life. It was a very, I think, a broad question. He did an awesome job answering it because sometimes I hear these questions he's asked and I'm like, oh gosh, but from the noise, right? And I think that's a big thing, um, not just in addiction, but in just life in general, right? Is how do we, how do we focus on what matters to us with all the noise in life, right? Um, And maybe it's more important for individuals who are in addiction or in recovery, I don't know if it is though. Um, But anyway, one of the things that I was thinking as he was talking about that um, was the importance in identifying your values, right? And sometimes it's literally pen to paper, like what matters to me? And, And I think sometimes, especially when you're first trying to set out doing therapy or working on yourself, pen to paper can be really helpful, right? Because it gets muddled in your head. But I think being able to sit down and literally write out your values and even prioritizing them, you know, write them out and then put them in order. What's, what's the most important and what's the lower end of the importance. But I think if you know what, what you value in life and then you go back to that and you check on that and, and kind of, you know, take, take note of, am I living my life in a way that prioritizes my values? And I think we all need to do that. And if we're not, then we ground ourselves. We, you know, we sort of take a check on where we're at and figure out what we need to change. I I just wanted to say that, uh, you know, that it, what what Lisa just said uh, reminded me of, of something that Joe said actually on Tuesday. And it was the the fact that, yes, his, his son just passed. Um, yes, he's got to bury him on, on Saturday. And, but he said, the most important thing right now is my recovery. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's that old saying, right? Like any, anybody that's ever been on a plane, if you don't put your mask on first, you're not going to be able to help anybody else. And, and I think that's what he's doing there is he's, he's making sure that his sub- sobriety stays paramount. He, he, he knows his values. He's put them in order. You know, his son is still a huge priority for him. But again, 
without his sobriety, he's not going to be able to be there for any of that. And yeah, I, I just wanted to to mention that like this, the second question really on Wednesday brought me back to the Tuesday interview as well as uh, on question one um, is something that I think we talked about last Sunday as well. Um, you know, uh, the difference between setting up a boundary for somebody and giving them an ultimatum. And and one of the things that Ryan said that really uh, struck a chord with me was a boundary is inviting and they are not used to cut off connection, right? If it's cutting off connection, it's a wall. And, and, and I think when you are trying to set boundaries for that person that has that's suffering with an addiction, I, I think you need to keep that in mind is are these rules that I'm setting cutting off that connection or are they inviting them to challenge themselves to do better? Um, that connection to connection. I, I don't even think we can say it enough times in any episode um, for people to, to, to understand, especially the loved ones of people who are suffering, right? It's you just, the connection is so fucking important. You know, I, I, I think every time it comes up, I get emotional and I, you know, for my own experiences. And if you're listening and you got someone in it's connection, right? There is nothing more important, period, period. Right? And I think uh, all of us can, can attest to that in our own ways. And I don't think people get that. I don't like, I, I think that a lot of people like, you know, I put on my sister hat. I felt encouraged over the 25 years to set up walls with absolutely, my brother. Right? Right? Absolutely. Right. Right. That has been the, the norm for generations. Right. And, and so when you're saying to somebody, no, like you have just the connections. Great example. And I'm going off on a tangent. And Jason, you're going to get your time here too. Sorry. But I'm the host. So I get to decide when I get to talk. To um, <laughs> Um, recently, and I get this three, four, five times a week. I'll get people messaging me through Messenger from the life, right? And like, hey, can I borrow money, or do you know where I can get, or can you get me some customers, or can you, can you, can you? And in the beginning, I blocked, right? And I just say, no, get out of my life. I don't need you in my life anymore. But since Ryan and in the show, I don't, right? I've sent my podcast to them. I've said, no, sorry, I can't help you out. But, you know, hey, if you ever look at make a change, you know, we've got some resources now, some people available to us. You know, if there's anything I can do that way, I don't shame them. I don't judge them. I just, I leave a connection open. And, and it just just last night, Flora was asking me, like, like you get these people out of your life, shouldn't you? I was like, no. Right? Because <laughs> what, if, what if I'm that one person that didn't judge them and they come to me one day when they need help? It's probably not going to happen, but it might. Right, and that's got to be enough, you know. So yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, he's he's changed fundamentally everything that I thought I knew, right? And it's, it's for that I am very very grateful. So, uh, Jason, you want to talk about uh, about Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, um, no, there was a lot to take. I've been listening. Uh, obviously, you know, so like Ryan's my. I think you guys know Ryan's my, I've been seeing Ryan for like a little bit. He's also my, you know, he's my counselor and, and, and friend and like mentor. Um, and he's the, and again, it's not my agenda to come up, come on here and pump up Ryan Bathgate or anything like that. But like, I, I just, that guy has made a, uh, it's easy to he, do. He right? does that enough himself, I think, right? No, but, uh, and, 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 and happy birthday, but uh, you know, um, he, 
that guy, the way that like he's like my my first sessions with him, I was so intimidated because he was so smart and he's using all these twenty dollar words, and I'm like, fuck this guy, right? Part of my language, but like, do you know what I mean? And like, I, but I didn't. I don't think I was quite ready again when I saw him, but I, just by practicing the stuff that he's even talking about on these episodes and, and even like you, Chuck, like getting vulnerable right now, like getting, getting vulnerable is, and you know, the way Ryan, he can explain it better than me, but like I, me and when I'm vulnerable, I'm more connectable that way. You know, when I'm, when I'm coming at a place where my, where my ego is there and I come into something armed as he calls it, like there's no, there, 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 there's no getting in. It's like, we put up these walls, right. And like, I don't, I don't know, like, I, I don't know much, but I do know that those episodes, that one on Wednesday was an interesting one, because how many times has it been, like, don't call me, what, you know what I mean, unless you want, and it's almost like, yeah, I didn't know the difference between a boundary and a wall either, you know, until, like, he, it just makes so much sense, and it's, yeah, like, I don't, I kind of, I, I, I do have, like, a similar approach, because it's just, like, whenever those people are ready and they want help, is like, it's, I think it's just so important. They know that they're, that they're, that they're loved and they can, you know, it's available, right? Like, um, but, Bobby Iron's hot, you know, as, as Ryan said, it, it's, yeah. it's a perfect way to say that. Yeah. Because it, I, fuck, it comes and goes pretty fast. You know? I don't know if he talked about it on that, that episode or not. I heard him talk about resentment and compassion. When I, How they can't occupy the same space. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, that was a really interesting one, you know, and like that, that was the episode previous, I believe. I think it's one way to discuss okay. that. Because I was that was that was a direct hit at me and something that I was going through earlier in that week. Right. Um so again, it's when we recorded it, when it aired, that's sort of the problem, you know, with, with his, him and I see recording schedule, it gets kinda of muddled sometimes. So yeah. But that was it's, that was a direct thing at me, right? So not a not a hit at me, but it's um some advice he had given me to help me navigate the situation was like Keep it yeah, it's it's funny too because like you know, especially as not that we're special or unique, even though I think I am sometimes maybe. But like as 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 men, we these things that are instilled in us, these core beliefs, like men don't get vulnerable, men don't ask for help, men are the fixers, men don't cry. Like that stuff is all just super unnecessary, and it's like you know, it takes it's bullshit, you know, and it and it it I think it takes courage to get vulnerable, and I think like that's an admirable thing, you know, and I think that's like asking for help is getting vulnerable, you know, and, and, and it's not even in addiction. Like me, I still, I, I, I ask for help today. Is it my go-to thing? No, but it's just like, Hey, like I'm not okay right now. And this is what's going on with me, you know? And like to, to be able to trust like another man and whoever that might be, I think it's just super important that we have those people in our life that we can just be completely transparent with. Um, but, um, yeah. So, I, I, I got to say, um, we're looking at one here. That's Carl the Atheist for me is one of yeah. maybe three people in the world, right? But but him and I can sit and talk about absolutely. I love that man. Right? Well, with, with little judgments. <laughs> it takes a strong man to be vulnerable. And being vulnerable as a strong man only makes you more powerful. And I think if you're trying to be the strongest man that you can be, then you need to be in touch with your vulnerable side. You need to look at what is affecting you from being your best self. And if that means, you know, you got to sit down with your wife and have a good cry about something that happened. I mean, that's the person you do it with, you know, it, it's your, your spouse or your partner or, or that close friend. Um, I mean, 
you got to have somebody that you can talk to. And if you don't have somebody you can talk to, there's people out there that you can talk to people like Lisa, there's people like Ryan, they're, they're, they're all over and, and, and they're here and all they want to do is help you. They want to help you become a better you and they're not judging you. And, and hopefully society, uh, will get in line and stop judging people that have issues. Um, it was interesting when he, there's a point in Ryan's podcast where he, he makes this, the, the comment that, you know, men are angry or they're happy. Right. Um, <laughs> and, it's, and it's interesting because I will often like, I'll ask people, you know, all the time, like, how's your mood? How do you feel? You know, where are you at? And when people tell me they're angry, um, my question is, okay, but what's under the anger, right? Anger is not your feeling. Like the feeling wheel. Angry, There's a feeling wheel yeah. for that, right? Right. Uh, yes, exactly. yes. I remember this from detox. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when you're angry, there's something under it. And I feel like the most common things under anger are fear and sadness or hurt, right? Um, but I feel like, and more so probably with men than women, um, they will tell me they're angry and only when prompted and pushed can they get to a place of admitting that they're actually sad or they're hurt or they're scared. And I think the reason for that is anger is a powerful feeling, right? You're angry, you're full of fire, you're, you know, you're pumped up, you know, it's the opposite of vulnerability, to get to what's under the anger is to get you, you have to get to a vulnerable place to admit what's under the anger. Right. So, yeah. Um, is that all for, we got for right now for my side? Yeah. No, one more. more? Okay. Yeah. I got one Go more. On. Keep going. You just take it away. I, Lisa's on it. I loved. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I loved the end of the, the Wednesday podcast. Like I really felt like Ryan was like fired up and I get Refresh excited. Memory, he gets fired what, up. What were we talking about? That? He right, was, sorry. you know, he made the comment. I want to fucking love everything. Oh, Nothing is going to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. And, and, and ultimately here, I'm going to pause for a quick second here. Ultimately, we are going to do video versions of these podcasts as well. Um, I'm working on a thing with a dentist right now. who's going to sponsor the show um, and, and replace what they took from me, right? Smile. So once that's done, we get on fucking video, right? Um, then you can see Ryan, right? <laughs> because when you hear that, you should see it, right? <laughs> like that guy is fired up on this stuff, right? So, so sorry to interrupt you, Lisa, but uh, I, I thought it was kind of a good time to start talking about this whole thing that's happening. I'm going to get my smile back. And as soon as I do, that fucking company, that's this is all the addicts, right? <laughs> you know, right? So we're, we're halfway through the process now, so it won't be much longer. But yeah, yes, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I love that. And everybody needs their smile, right? Yeah. You got to have your smile. You got to be wanting to show your smile to the world. You know what? So. Fuck it. We're, we're off on a tangent now. So it, it, the company's called Dent Kits, right? All one word. Scott.com. Not paying me to say anything yet, so I can, whatever. Um, I don't have to get it perfect. But look them up, Dent Kits. A full set of dentures, um, and and fit like you know they send you out all the molding stuff to do it at home, and you send it back. And there's a bit of an exchange there that that's going to add some time to the whole process. But the full set, I think, is under six hundred US. 
right? How? I know. When I was going to get this bottom one done, one tooth, it was $6,000, right? So these guys are able to do like a whole mouth for for right around 600 US. Imagine the mom that wants to give her kid a smile back after he's done like 90 days of treatment and he's come back and he's doing better. And, you know, like, and like for me, it, fuck, I'm a totally different person now, right? And I just, I, I think about getting my smile back and how even I'm sitting here talking to you three who I've spent countless hours talking to. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I hate it. I hate my small. So to get that back is going to be awesome. And, and to be able to, to, to offer that out to people at such a reduced rate, like a realistic thing now. Because getting a denture is not a realistic thing, right? Like it's like coming out of addiction. Fuck no. <laughs> like, I will look that up. Yeah. I have a lot of patients like that, right? I have a lot of patients. Um, Just particularly wait until we got a promo in- code that I get paid for, okay? Yeah, yeah, there we go. But the the hospital I work at, you know, just based on where it is in Calgary, um, a lot of, um, we see a lot of substance use disorder. We see a lot of homelessness. Um, and I, you're an LRT um, station, so that's enough these days. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just, I loved the end of his talk though. He was so fired up and it, you know, and it's, he's talking about the love model and he said, we need to get back to what it is to be human, what it is to be connectable, to be love. And, um, that was kind of like my, you know, I always, he says lots of things that I Somebody write Somebody sees a meme coming me. on. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, it's so, it's so, so true. Lisa's the one that creates the memes, Jason, the quotes. From Ryan Beckett, Lisa's is the one that's that's been making those, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that's amazing. That that's that's awesome. Yeah. I I like that. We, we yeah, and like I don't know if you guys can like relate to this or not. And this isn't this isn't just for addicts and alcoholics. Like I think I'm gonna go back to one of my sessions with Ryan, and, and I've been in lots of uncomfortable situations and stuff like that. Like my, you know, and I'm not gonna get in that stuff too much. But one of the most I think it was the most uncomfortable thing I ever experienced was Ryan Bathgate sitting across me in one of our sessions and him asking if I was lovable. And I literally wanted to, I asked him, said, can I, can I, can I leave? And I didn't, do you know what I mean? And it's just like how, how we don't always, I don't know about, like, I didn't believe and I'm finally starting to now believe like I am lovable. Like I am good enough, you know? And like, Ryan's really good at giving tangible evidence. Why? You know, because like my, my head tells me all these things and I'm not this and I'm not that. And he's like, you know, but you're, are you, are, are you a good friend? Is it, you know, yes. And then why? Why well, show up for my friends, answer their phone calls. Are you a good uncle? Yes. And like, so he's, he's really good at going back to that. And, and he's just amazing. I, I love that guy. And like, just and again, if, if I just wish that more people would listen to him and listen to those podcasts and just like apply those things in their life. And like what a difference it, it makes. I think something you said there, Jason, was that was really important is it's it's not just for people with addiction no. or with alcoholism problems. It's it's for anyone. All yeah. these all these uh tools that Ryan talks about are 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 things that anybody can use at any time, right? Like grounding yourself and recentering. I mean, you don't have to have addiction problems to do that. If you're having a bad day and I mean, maybe you've never even touched drugs or alcohol in your life. Yeah. What is wrong with taking stock in, in what's important to you and, you know, reprioritizing yourself, right? Like, yeah. uh, for example, yesterday I had to take my dog to the vet and they, they left me sitting in a room for an hour and I was getting angry and I, I called my wife and I'm like, I need to leave. Like I'm, I'm getting upset here. Right. And, and she, you know, calmed me down and said, well, you know, 
I understand that you're upset, but the dog needs help, right? And it's like, okay, so yeah, I'm prioritizing myself over over my family dog who 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 has a I mean ear infection. It's nothing major, but still, I was prioritizing my needs over the needs of somebody who needed help. All I needed to do was run some errands, and you know, Mother's Day's coming, so I wanted to do these these things, but. Uh, at the end of the day, I, you know, you got to help the people that need the help before you worry about your minor inconveniences. And and and, and to answer your question about whether or not you're lovable, Jason, uh, the the episode you did uh, without even talking about your content or anything that you said in that episode, I think my first response to Chuck was, "I love this guy's energy." Oh, I think. Like I just, <laughs> I, I, I loved listening to you. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you could probably read the, the phone book or the dictionary, and it would sound exciting yeah. if you read it. Thank um, you. So I, I, I wanted to give you props for that. No, thank, thanks, girl. Appreciate and I think I would add when I listened to you, Jason, it was authenticity. Like I just felt like you were real. Like I felt like I listened to you for an hour or whatever it was, and I felt like I felt like I knew you. Do you know what thank I mean? You. And I think it's just because you. So yeah. while we're making Thank Jason, you, I appreciate that. Add on to that. We're going to add on to that a bit more too. Um, and, and I think I've said this to you, Jason, but I was 15 minutes into that interview and I was like, I want this guy back on the show. Like, I want him to be a part of the show. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like there's just something about you, man. And you know, that, that energy, I think, you know, we both said it right when I said that. Man. So Im- yeah. Im- real. Imagine that's a bit of a 180 because there was a time when people didn't want me around at all. Now they want, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It's funny. <laughs> Not even at the crack shack when you had money, no, right? No, I, I just yeah, fucked yeah, that, 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 that's, Fuck every time I think about that. Yeah, it's funny because once, <laughs> once we, when we, when we get clean and stuff like that, and start looking at, you know, changing our behaviors, and you know, sometimes it take it takes long for me. It, it took a little while to kind of gain that trust back from my my family, my friends, because they saw the same cycle for so long and all the stories, and I'll never do this. It took again. a long and time to destroy it, right? Yeah, yeah, but like we, I don't know, I get that stuff back, and I and I get to show up for people today, and I get to be present today, you know, and I like those, who is it that talked about to change the have-tos to get-tos? That's amazing, I love that. Oh, oh um, that yeah, whatever, Ryan. I guess. No, no, it was on a Wednesday, but it wasn't Ryan. It was written. Oh. We're giving, oh, we're giving right. Ryan enough props on here. I mean, give it to some someone else, but <laughs> no, it, it, it it's it's you know he's a, it, it's so true. Though. I don't know because so many times I'm like, oh, I have to go to the gym, I have to whatever it might be, have to help somebody. He's like, no, like I get to do these things today because like you know a few years ago I didn't get to do any of that stuff, right? Like, or I have to help Jason figure out how to get on this goddamn podcast. Or that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you get to do that. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I had to poke a little bit. No, no, it's awesome. It's funny too because <laughs> yeah, at yeah. the time, it's like how that was like my biggest problem today, and it's like really that's your biggest problem. Not, that's not that bad. <laughs> that's a pretty good day, you know. It's a pretty but good by day. like ninety nine point nine percent of human history, that's a fucking great day. Yeah, you're not being chased by a saber tooth or whatever. Right? No, um, no. Uh, I feel on. like in the okay. work that okay. I do, I sorry. Okay, I almost, I almost did it this time. I almost got it. You at almost the end. got me off. Yeah, right. but I feel like in the work I do, and this is actually not quite Ryan. So this is it. more about what you're talking about. So, I am actually okay. off the Ryan wagon for this. Okay, okay. yeah. Um, did, did he did he get you off or? Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck. Um, <laughs> I'll see me right now. Right, I was just right. gonna say, Alex had it that Yeah, out. exactly. Yeah. Get rid of all that stuff. Yeah, not gonna um, happen. 
But I think some of the (laughs) most appreciative patients I work with are people struggling with addiction. Like by in spades, I've actually had people, I mean, it's like, it's my favorite thing to do. I, I went to medical school because I wanted to work with people with addictions. Like that was from day one. I was like, I don't know the avenue. I didn't know if I was going to be a family doctor, an internist, a psychiatrist, but I was like, how do I get to working with people with addiction? And I will have people often at work ask me why, like, what is it about working with people with addiction that you like? And I mean, that's part of it. That's one piece of it. But I think more than any other, you know, if I'm in a group patients into different diagnoses, um, I feel like the most appreciation. And I think it's because through their active addiction, there was so much shame, so much rejection, so much self-blame, so much self-hatred that when you step towards them as someone working in medicine and you want to help them and they feel that you're sincere and you want to help them, they appreciate you so much. Um, um, I'll, I'll speak to that so it's, um, from firsthand experience. Many people in their lives will lose their stuff, right? Like they'll, they'll have to start over, all of that. When you lose your stuff and all the fucking people that you love, over and over and over again, you learn what appreciation really is. And how all that little shit is so much, right? Because, like, it's horrible, right? And for me, that's, like, hands down, right? That's why that happens, right? That's why I'm appreciative of everything now, right? When when you lose, like, you're losing your things sucks. When you lose all your people, too, even if it's only perceived, but perceived reality is still reality of the person perceiving it, right? Um, That's why you're appreciative. You know, that that's why. And I, I, I can't say that from a clinical, you know, standpoint the way you can or whatever, but I'm, it's a pretty anecdotal from my side, but I'm pretty sure that's it. Hey, hey Lisa, can I ask you something? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I did I did listen to your your episode, but so, so but if I can if I can remember, was it that you you cut you changed career paths? Is it so you had a family member that who is it your brother? And, and, yeah. and is it that you wanted to understand more about the disease of addiction or you wanted to, you wanted to kind of maybe help people you want to understand? Like what, what was that like for you and how did, did you find you get more purpose and meaning out of that? Like, you know, you've seen it firsthand. Oh. Yeah. I love that question. And it actually reminds me of a conversation I had with Devin. So Devin helped my brother. Shout um, out Devin. And when, yeah, right. revolutionary totally. recovery. Hey, it's a great time for a PSA. And now for a quick PSA brought to you by Revolution Recovery, helping men recover and become their best selves through support and treatment. They've been there and they understand. Hi, listeners. This is Lena. I'm part of the Ashes to Awesome team and co-hosted on episodes 76 and 67. Do you carry Narcan, also known as Naloxone? If not, perhaps you should. The kits are not only compact and easy to use, they are free at all harm reduction centers and a lot of pharmacies. By carrying one of these kits, you could save the life of somebody who loves and that is loved. I get that most of you never plan on being around opioid use, but there's no telling when it could be around you. I can't think of a good reason not to have it, and if you're not sure where to find it for free, send us an email at ashes2awesomepodcast at gmail.com with Narcan in the subject line. We'll do the legwork for you and find it for free in your area. 
Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Yeah. So I, prior to medical school, I worked as an engineer in oil and gas. Right. Um, and it was never the right thing for me. And I always knew that, um, you know, like I would be at work, I knew about everybody's marital issues, everybody's kid issues. Like, you know, I was always connecting to people and, um, I would get called out on that by, you know, from my bosses, um, you know, just sort of atypical that way. Like it just wasn't the right fit for me. Right. When I decided to um, to actually leave and go to medical school, it was about 10 years or so into my brother's like very serious active addiction. Um, and one of the things my dad said to me um, is, and I don't remember specifically how he framed it, but the tone of it was essentially like, are you doing this to save your brother? Right? Like, um, and I think he just didn't want me to, to, to sort of take that on. Like I need to go be a doctor and then save my brother. And right. it's just like, that's a lot for anybody to carry. And this was not something I had to think about. It was like, it, it came from somewhere, you know, talk about spirituality, whatever, but it was like this deep knowing. And I, I, I do believe that, my brother is my brother in part because I am meant to do what I am doing yeah. and growing up with my brother has given me insight and knowledge and understanding that no textbook was ever going to give me. Right. And there's a part of me that believes that him and I came into these human forms with some pre agreed upon, um, you know, thing that, you know, may maybe I've helped him in some way, hopefully. Um, but I actually think that, he he needed to be my brother so that I could do what I'm meant to do. Right. Um, and I think in terms of like, did I do it to understand addiction? Um, I don't, I've always felt called to help people yeah. and the people I've always been drawn to, like I would be downtown Calgary, you know, and I knew all the homeless guys and I would go sit and have coffee with the homeless guys. And I wanted to know That's their just, stories. It's and, so easy to picture you doing that, Lisa. So easy to picture that. That's, yeah. And I loved it. Like yeah. I loved it. And I, I feel now that going, what, what going to medical school to me did was it gave me a bunch of letters behind my name that is allowing me to do the things I want to do. Right. You know, right. Um, maybe I could have helped people via some other avenue yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, and I did debate that. I debated staying in engineering and just, you know, filling my time with volunteer work. Right. Um, Alternatively, you could I've, have stayed all the way to grade nine and then started a podcast 30 years later. You could have done that. There you go. And again, helping <laughs> people. there's lots of ways to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I just honestly feel like I am meant to do this. Right. And, um, and I think my brother is a part of that story. And yeah, I mean, obviously that motivated me. But I feel like to see, like to grow, he was my, he's my little brother, right? He's like four years younger than me. But I, and, and, and Chuck and Carl have heard me say this before, but growing up with him and knowing him, like really knowing him, you know, knowing who he is. Um, and he's an awesome guy. And then to see what addiction did, yeah. you know, and, and how it derailed his life, how it made him do things that are so incongruent with who he is. Yeah. I have learned so much. So when I, when I hear stories, when I hear about people spending time in prison, they assaulted somebody, they robbed somebody, they did this. When it's in the context of addiction, I don't go and sit at a piece of paper and say antisocial personality disorder. Right. 
I say substance use disorder. Yeah. This we don't know who this person is. Right. Like this might be the nicest human being in the world, but they're an active addiction yeah. and they're going to do bad yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know that so I would have believed that. It's so weird when Lisa swears. Is it just me? No, it's Thanks awesome. It. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Hey, I was like taken back for a minute there. I had to like you know check. I was like doing my hair for a minute. I was what the fuck just happened? Yeah, that's, that's passion, passion yeah, right, right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Lisa. Hey, can yeah. I say, I, Lisa, I, I, I like that you talked about that because it's like, how many times do, do we hear the story of, oh, this, this, this addict just robbed somebody and like the, the judgment that's attached to that. It's like, you, I don't know, like, you know, you're talking about your brother and he was this amazing, per, you know, I never, I never had the, I haven't met your brother, but from what you tell me, it's like, we don't have like a moral deficiency, you know, it's not a matter yeah. of, we don't. We don't have a moral compass. We don't have values. It's like addiction literally does not care about any of that stuff. And I know I did things against my own will that today. And it's just like, I don't, I don't, I don't hold that guilt anymore because I know that that's not me, but it's like, how many times was that? Do we look at where our, our addicts specifically looked at in that light, you know, like they don't, I didn't choose to do that. I didn't want to do those things. You know, I didn't want to hurt the people close to me or, 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 or anything like that. And it's just, so I, I love that. I love that. You're kind of telling that, you know, story and, and stuff like that. And just having more, I think it's just having more understanding is like what, what we need and what, what it means to, you know, to, to suffer with that, you know, disease. And, um, yeah, just thank you. And I think you're very welcome. Um, I think too, Jason, that like one of the things I love is, like when I talk to, you know, I have a patient in Emerge, for example, right? they come in and they're like psychotic, they're high on something, whatever. And and sometimes there's nobody, sometimes there's no family, they've been rejected, pushed away. But when there is like what you just kind of talked about, right? And so if you actually look at functional MRI imaging of somebody's brain and active addiction, the frontal lobe behind their forehead has almost no brain activity. And that is the part of your brain that allows you to consider consequences mm. that keeps you in check with, is this connected to my morals? Is this connected to my values? Yeah. Is this going to hurt my children? Is this going to hurt me? And that's the part of the brain that considers all of these things and says, I'm not going to do that. And when you look at someone in active addiction, that part of their brain has like significantly reduced brain activity. Mm. And so that's just it. This is, it's not that that people who are suffering from addiction are immoral be beings. Right. It's that the part of their brain that we all utilize so that we live in a way that's in keeping with our values. It's not working. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not working. Um, and I, 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 that gets very scientific, but I think hopefully it's like explained in a simple way. And I, I think that helps fight the stigma. Yeah. Right. Is to understand that. Absolutely. It does without a doubt. Once, once people start to understand you know, yeah, it's not a moral thing. It's a science thing. So, um, yeah. yeah, definitely it does help us. I would say. Um, are we, can, we, can I move on to Thursday now? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> and I don't mean that. I, like, I never want to take away anything from a Wednesday. I just want to make sure that you're done. Right. Because. Yeah, you kinda, yeah. it takes me usually six attempts to get to the end of a Wednesday. So, <laughs> um, which is great, though, which is great. Actually, it, there's I really like what's happening there, Lisa. And, and as I said before, any week that you want to come back, you're back on. Like, as far as I'm concerned, you can be a, 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 a static you know, person on the show here. Um, and, and that said, how about we just let you lead the Wednesday talk so that you can tell us when we're done and I don't have to come and ask you six times. So that's it. Right? 
Yeah. Um, just a tip Thursday, guys. Uh, so that was a little... We went away from the list. Um, and, 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 uh, whatever, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, I had asked Ryan for some for a list, right? Or at least an idea to generate a list. And what he had mentioned was all the old quotes from politicians back in the 80s and shit about the war on drugs and some of the ridiculous things that they used to say. And Like, don't do drugs? You know, so I went... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just say no. And well, actually, uh, funny. No, thanks. Sounds pretty. We're going back to that one, but for good reason. Um, it's, it's all the stupid things that they used to say about it. So we went to ChatGPT, and I punched out this list, and I never really looked closely at it. And most of them were about, like, were new quotes that they said about the war on drugs and how fucking stupid it was. So it was like, okay, well, there's nothing really funny about that. So we had to abandon the idea last second. Right? So. And then, of course, Scott, as he, you know, he went on to say in the episode, Scott's a muggle. He's the mugglest of the muggles. And, like, he's never even had an addict around him, right? So, that fucking golf cart breeds in his neighborhood. Right? Like, that's how muggle this guy is, right? And, and ice cream socials. You know what a fucking ice cream social is? No. Of course you don't, right? So, um, anyway, <laughs> I love Scott, but he's a muggle. And he was having a really challenging week and just the things in his lives like we all do. And he, he said he had stopped. He was thinking about me, and like, is this is this where an, a person in addiction or you know in recovery relapses, right? Like when all the stresses start to build, and he, so he really starts to think about that. And he wanted to have a conversation with him. So that's what we did instead of the typical list. I think it went rather well. What do you guys think? Uh, start with you on that one, Lisa. Um, I really liked it. Um, I mean that the lists are good. I find often the lists have a lot of humor in them, so it's funny. It's you know, it's a bit lighter mm. than some of the other days. Yeah, um, yeah. well, that's why I, we do it. We do that one for me, right? For yeah, me. <laughs> right. one hundred percent. Right? Thursdays are like from a business perspective. Thursdays would be the ones that 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 would be the list the day to go. Nope, no way. Yeah. I, <laughs> I need that shit, right? So yeah. Um, I really, I enjoyed listening to you actually talk about, um, cravings. There's a few things you talked mm-hmm. about that were really interesting to me. The one was you talked about that you tend to crave on your good days. Oh, yeah. That's, that's it. Right. A bad day is just a bad day. Like right? when you're in recovery, fuck, especially early recovery, there's a lot of bad days, right? <laughs> but good days are few and far in between. And then they, they hit you different, right? You know, and yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and a desire to celebrate. A couple of weeks ago, in an episode, uh, what he said, it's a desire to celebrate is actually the addiction taking an opportunity to say, you don't deserve this, fuck it up. Right? <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah. That's, that is one that I, that I, for sure, as lately as the show becomes more and more successful, I, I, I really does start to, uh, to get at me a bit more. Right? And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I have a great support system around me, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. found ways to address that. But, um, and also, which, I, I loved when you talked about letting your cravings come, right? Like that's basically that. you're yeah. talking about <laughs> mindfulness, yeah. Yeah. right? But that's mindfulness, right? Yeah. Whether it's yeah. a craving, whether it's a feeling, mm-hmm. um, whatever it is, like, you know, and something comfortable, something uncomfortable, but that whole idea of let it come, don't judge it, notice it. Um, I love the analogy of, of in mindfulness of like, think of things like a wave, right? Mm-hmm. A wave will rise and a wave will drop, right? Yeah. It's going to come and it's going to go. It's so, not going to last. And I haven't heard that analogy so I, I like that so i've never even really heard the term mindfulness applied to this so that gives me one more way to think about it sure yeah i mean that's what you're doing you're practicing mindfulness when you're when you're noticing it you're speaking it and 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 i think the other piece is to add to it is to not judge it right don't judge it it's not what good or bad it just oh. is 
No, right? right? And the final element to that, though, for me, is I got to talk about it. I have to, right? If I stack up enough cravings, (laughs) that's going to turn into a relapse, I guarantee it, right? So um, I I found now, you know, I have someone close to me that I can talk to pretty much anytime I want. Um, But I got the Ryans and I got the Carls in the world, too. And fuck, I'd call you, Lisa, if I had to, right? Um, well, it's like what Brian was talking. I know I learned that throughout my recovery journey too. Is that whenever I talk about something, it, it loses some, it loses weight, it loses traction. Um, you know, it's that getting vulnerable, getting honest, um, but also doing something about it. For for for, in my experience, like um, that obsession to to use drugs was always there, no matter how it didn't matter how long I was clean for. That never went away. I would always pick up so the cravings talking about the cravings was one thing but that by itself wasn't enough for me um you know i had to do some work around that and when i say work you know i went through the when i went through the 12 steps literally like one of the craziest things that happened that i didn't believe when people were talking about this inside the rooms of aa and na they say that that obsession to use is removed it's literally one of the promises, especially when you start getting into the, the, the step nine and making amends, is that it, it it's lifted. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get that. I thought they were full of shit, but that literally happened for me. So I don't have since I've got clean, and since I've got clean, Chuck and Lisa and, and Carlos doesn't. I'm not, I'm not bright. I'm like this to me. Like this is like one like the biggest gifts that I don't, I don't obsess about using drugs, and that's a miracle to me. But I know. That that is very contingent on me continuing to do some simple things. You know, if I stop doing those things I learned early and recovery, those basics, I will pick up again. That is a promise. Can you tell us what those things are? Yeah. Jason? Yeah, like, yeah. What is it? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like Lisa, it's for me, like the foundation, my foundation of recovery is, um, you know, like I got clean through the 12 steps sober through the 12 steps of you know aa and i um so i have you know my home groups i'm accountable to i go wednesday thursday have an aa group a ca group and i'm involved in service work there so i kind of hold like i hold myself accountable into the group that way that i show up no matter what um because i made a commitment to myself and to the group um i do that that that's huge and that that keeps me kind of grounded and, and centered. I do some prayer and meditation. I, I don't do the stuff perfectly. I don't always do that, but I, you know, I continue to do um, the steps once a year to clear out all that wreckage. Because in um, resentment comes up, and fear comes up, and all this, all, all these things come up. If I'm not doing, if I'm not regularly taking like a personal inventory, you know, and so I'm I'm going through a set of steps. Right now, when I see Ryan, and one, I think one of the biggest things, Lisa, is I continue to help others through sponsorship. Um, you know, that's like one of the biggest gifts, and one, and that's literally the thing that it talks about in our literature. There's nothing else that will ensure our sobriety, like intensive work with another addict or alcoholic. So that means when I have everything else is going on with me at the time, if I'm if w- w- whatever is going on, you know, if I help somebody else, like I'm not thinking about myself and my problems when I'm doing that, you know, and, I, and I've continued to do that. And whether it be detox panels, is carrying this message of recovery and that works and it has worked for a very long time. Um, yeah. And, and it's that. Thanks. Jason. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for asking. I get, I get, I get, I get fired up about this stuff. Right. Cause it's like, it's pretty cool. Um, and, and, 
But I like, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Like for me again, like I don't have the lived experience. Right. And like, even doing this podcast, I've, I've said to Devin one day, I was like, I feel so like inadequate to be doing this. Cause I'm like, I haven't, I listened to stories like, you know, Chuck, you shared a little bit, Carl shared a bit, Jason, you've shared. It's like, yeah, I just really appreciate, um, you know, all of you guys just t- like telling these stories. Like I find it so, um, I don't know, it's helpful. It's educational for me. Um, I just really appreciate it. What is for me personally, and I can't speak for anybody else, you being having lived alongside and fought that fight, you sharing that with me is every bit as powerful as me sharing mine with you. Right? It, it really yeah. is. It really, really is. Yeah. Um, I appreciate that. The perspective yeah. is just it's a different perspective. And I've, I've always empathized with the shit I put my family through. But as I listen to more and more of those stories and, and really get some of the details and not even, not even the grisly details, cause I could, I mean, that's just fill in the blank stuff, right? For every family. <sighs> the different ways they process, the different ways it's affected them, the different, it's amazing. You know, um, the things that come out of this is amazing. It is the whole thing is. And, um, but yeah, we're getting just as much from you as you are from us in that regard. And, uh, it, and it makes us better at what we're doing. Thank I mean, you. We're the only show that focuses on the things we do, and and it's working, right? So you know, it's, we're getting that people are paying attention. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and the way we can tell it's working, and I I actually messaged uh, Chuck right after I finished Thursday's episode. Um, the biggest takeaway that I got out of that was we just changed a Muggle Floridian <laughs> Scott into yeah. an addiction right. advocate. Right. I know. He took a piece of his life. He wasn't recording that day. He probably hadn't even listened to the podcast that day, but it occurred to him that I'm struggling right now. And I wonder, I wonder if this is that moment that would trigger somebody into a relapse. And just by him taking that time to think about that, you know, that's change. A year ago, that would have never occurred to him. Oh, true. Uh, and if, if, like you said, Chuck, if you can reach one person, then it's a success. And, and that's the one person that you've reached that we can quantify. I was, I was standing in your kitchen, Carl, the day he called me after listening to Flora's memorial episode. And he, and, and you guys, you wouldn't have been privy to this, Lisa and Jason. Uh, he was so fired up. And he had been a part of the show now for a while. He had been actively helping me like he was a mentor to me he had never listened to a memorial monday and he listened to hers and he got on the phone with me and he said what the shit like this is amazing this is amazing what you're doing right and that was he was really our first validity of purpose you know for like it was like fuck yeah man right like if we can hit this guy like i said ice cream socials do i need to say any more than that right (laughs) you know and if we can if we can land this guy into the cause then then the whole world is reachable Right. right. And it yeah. just like in that moment, it was like, we're on to something good here. Well, we are, we are doing something good. And yeah. it, it shows never look back from that moment. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think that story is, is just as or, or more important than, than, like, you know, the, the person using, telling their story. I just don't think that there's like enough awareness around that. And that's why I'm glad you guys are kind of jumped on, on board with it. And, um, I listen, I listen to Tiff's, Tiffany's, uh, memorial monday nate's mom nate was a friend and 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 and, you know when that was i cried like i think in the and it's just 
I'm sure a lot of people did and do, and it's, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's still, yeah, it's I cry more in a week, right? man. Like, like fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you know, it's yeah. I don't know. And again, like I, I remember when I first started using like opiates back in the early two thousands. Like I talked about too. Like overdoses didn't didn't happen often. It's become the norm, and that's like that's scary. You know, it's terrifying, right? It, yep. It, yep. The, the yeah. first time I had to do chest compressions on a girl um, because there was no Narcan there, so it was just chest compressions for ten minutes. Right, yeah. she lived. She lived. But what I didn't know, the paramedics had seen her six times the day before. Six times, she went down. Six times they showed up and saved her life. The thing is, Chuck, we talked about this too. I know through for what you know, overdose is part of my story. I'm I'm fortunate someone was there with with Narcan. Lots of time people aren't, or or even actually some of some of the drugs out there now, the Narcan doesn't even. Um, like react to it's it's not even effective with with the uh, the benzos the, and stuff the like benzos that. Say, yeah. And, yeah yeah but like i me i would keep on going like to some people like that's enough for them to stop me it's not you know and like uh, it, literally it, i was it, just saying to flora the other day literally every single person that i have ever narcan yeah. has wanted to hoop the moment they get it. yeah it's funny because right. i actually yeah. have i have friends of mine that they're 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 normal dude like normal guys and they party and and stuff like that they use substances but i'm trying to actually like educate them I'm like look like do you guys carry narcan and i'm like even this like, like here like have narcan with you and you know like you never know right so yeah yeah, yeah. well and that's our psa inside every single episode right and i'll i'll, I'll get them to listen yet yeah, all of them right <laughs> right yeah, yeah kta now now he's kta walks the walks the talk on the narcan you know he'll he, every now and again he'll surprise us with somewhere else that he keeps narcan in the house or whatever, right? But he's kind of our guy that way, right? He can't kind of hold this all in. And I, I love it. I love it. Every now and then, he'll just, something will show up on the on our Facebook page, and it's him doing something Narcan-y. So it's good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, you know, the hardest part about getting Narcan is telling the pharmacist why you want it. Yeah. And yeah. and the simplest way to, to explain to the pharmacist why he wanted it is because you want to save somebody's life one day. Um, keep in mind, Keep in mind with Narcan, though, you know, if, if you get it in June of this year, then December of next year, you need to return it and get a new one if it hasn't been used because it does lose its potency after about 18 months. So, you know, I mean, you're going to you got to change your batteries in your fire detector every six months. You got to turn your clocks every six months. Uh, you know, this is easier. It's only every 18 months. You got to go back to the pharmacist, give them your old Narcan kit, get a new one. And, uh, I, I know in my area anyways, like we just go up to the superstore and, uh, you go in on a Monday and they'll probably have it in for you if they don't have any on hand, um, which is a good sign because that means other people are getting it, but it, it only takes like three, four days. Like, so, yeah. so, you know, you go grocery shopping on Saturday and just tell them, you know what, I'm going to coming back grocery shopping next Saturday. I'll pick it up then. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is that all love lost, to, Carl? To, in Canada, uh, I would assume so. And if it is all love laws, I think that might be that might be shoppers too, because I believe that's also that they are love laws company, right? So let's do a uh, let's do a fact check on that, so that next week we can talk about that. I'll check on that tomorrow. I have to go get some garbage tags from shoppers, so I will check to see if they have Narcan available, and I'll ask them if it's available at all. Blah, blah, yeah, blah. yeah. Let's do that so that we have the right information for next week, right? Um, there was no Friday this week, guys. Um, 
again, that was my schedule in my personal life, you know, so we're going to do better than that next week. But um, that covers the episodes. Um, thank you. Uh, Lisa, you're just, you're part of the show now. I don't even have, I get to take you for granted. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm happy you to bring be here. so much to I, this. I enjoy this. If, so. What did I describe? I can't remember who I was talking to, but I said, what a find when I was talking about you. Right? <laughs> like where that, like you just like came into our life the very next day you're on an episode. You've been on every weekend ramble since. Um, I couldn't design an episode better place for you. So I'm really glad that you've agreed to come on as much as you have. And we'll talk about you ever getting to take a break on a weekend. I'm sorry. It's probably not going to work out here. <laughs> hey, honestly, this not paid I gig, love right? this. I feel privileged <laughs> to be here. So. Uh, we're, we're lucky to have you. Um, most certainly. Most certainly. And Jason, we got more in store. But yeah, guys, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, maybe next week, maybe the week after, maybe in 2035, Carl will be the host and I will be the co-host. <laughs> I called him out publicly and I decide what gets edited out. So... <laughs> 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 We're, He's silent. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. thinks I don't have his passwords. <laughs> Fuck, I gave him to you, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, no, no, that's, you know what? I, I can talk about that real quick. It is something we're working towards. I think, and, and I'll say it probably, Carl would be amazing at it, right? And then I get to just come on and like chill out and like fart and stuff. Right. So that'd be great. That brings us to my favorite part of the show. And that is the daily gratitude. Hey, this is Scott from the new new friends podcast, the podcast for adults who love to laugh at adulting. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of ashes to awesome. The daily gratitudes are brought to you by the new new friends podcast. Please check us out. No new friendspodcast.com. We're streaming on all major platforms. If you just need laughter in your week, just an escape from What's going on in your life? I highly recommend my podcast to get you through that week, bring some levity and, and make you laugh. So check us out. No New Friends Podcast on all streaming platforms. That's nonewfriendspodcast.com. And now here are your daily gratitudes. And remember, you are loved. It's going to get a couple each out of you. Start with you. Oof. Gratitudes. Oh, we'll, we'll just go with, uh, we'll go with the people close to me, you know, the, the people in my corner that have been in my corner through the whole thing, through addiction and, and recovery. They know who they are. Um, we'll, th- we'll give a shout out to Ryan Bathgate again and happy birthday, Ryan. Give a shout out to Devin McGuire. Um, my mom, it's, it's my mom. I love you. It's mother's day tomorrow. I won't get to see you. I'll be working, but, uh, yeah, definitely my family. Yeah. And, and you guys, and you guys, and let's, uh, <laughs> I was waiting for it. There was an uncomfortable silence. I was like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think you're forgetting something. Yeah, I know. And you, Chuck, thank you. I'm kidding. Thank you for being patient yeah. with me through all the uh, the hiccups at the beginning there. I appreciate that. Thank you. Ah, small potatoes. So if that's the worst thing that happened to my day, it's a pretty good day. Right? So, Carl, let's get a couple out of you next. Daily gratitudes from me today. I'm going to start with. Every person out there who is a mother, this will air on the 14th. Happy Mother's Day. If it weren't for mothers, none of us would be here. Big shout out to my moms. Um, I have two. Uh, And to my wife, who's also a mother. Um, It's a big day. Uh, I love celebrating mothers. They're a huge part of our lives. 
The second gratitude is going to be the weather this weekend. I am going to get some yard work done after I help Mr. LaFlange move today. Hey. I already got the lawn aerated, so. <laughs> of course you do. Like I love you sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I, I take notes for the podcast. I do some yard work, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my final gratitude for the day is going to be the muggles. I, I, the muggles that listen to this, the people that have never had an issue with addiction, um, that are trying to educate themselves and empower themselves, whether it be to help somebody that they love who is suffering with addiction or just because they want to get rid of this epidemic and, and just be a part of the solution. Well said. Well said. Thank you. Um, I, I think I've said this each time we've done it and I'll say it every day as long as I can, fingers crossed. Um, I'm grateful that my brother's sober today. Um, you know, that he's, you know, he's in a better head place right now than he was two months ago. And I hope that, you know, he feels peace, right? I always say that. And that's my wish for him. Um, I am grateful for my daughter. Um, Mother's Day tomorrow. She made me a mama. Um, and I'm grateful. I feel blessed that she picked me. Um, and uh, yeah, grateful for, for the mom. So obviously my mom, um, you know, my mom's my best friend. Um, I'm grateful for my sister-in-law who's a mom and who stood by my brother. She's been with my brother for over 20 years, um, and has never turned her back on him. So I'm grateful for her. Um, yeah, yeah, that's for me. So, and I'm not going to jump right to you, listeners, guys, uh, in front of that. Mom. <laughs> right. And it, remember, I'm going to get emotional, right? This entire podcast comes from mom. The You Are Loved comes from mom. The Gratitudes come from mom. The first Memorial Monday came from mom. Everything comes from mom. And mom, I know you're going to listen to it eventually. It'll probably be Christmas before you hear this because she, like <laughs> she likes to binge when she gets to them, right? Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you so much. Yeah. I can keep going on. Same more the same crying shit. Anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and the final gratitude goes to you, the listeners. You guys, this is amazing. It's, it, it's a crazy ride that we're on right now. We're, we're spreading a message that needs to be spread. And the message is this. If you are in active addiction right now, today could be the day. Today could be the day that you start that lifelong journey. Reach out to a friend, reach out to a family member, reach out to your mom. Do that anyway. Go to a meeting, call into detox, do whatever the hell it is you need to do to get that journey started because it is so much better on the other side. And if you are the loved one of somebody suffering an addiction, you're just taking the time to listen to our weekend ramble, and we are all very, very grateful for that. If you could just take one more minute out of your day and text that person, let them know they are loved. Use the words. You are loved. That little glimmer of hope just might be the thing that brings them back.